Welcome to Beating Cancer Daily. Beating stage four cancer for 30 years still takes my breath away every time I say it. I'm Saren, founder of the Comedy Cures Foundation, and I hope you'll join me for just a few minutes daily for the next 365 days so we may laugh, learn, maybe cry a little as we live our best days beating cancer daily together. I say that I love almost every topic that we talk about, but today I really love this topic because nobody talks about it really. Like maybe if you have high blood pressure, maybe, but we really don't know about it. And I brought one of my favorite people back to beating cancer daily You know Jackie Bryan. She's our functional medicine expert, our certified nutrition specialist, certified health coach, and whole health educator. Yay, Jackie's back. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm actually thrilled to be talking about sodium. I have a story to share about salt and sodium, if you're interested in hearing it before we start. I would love to hear it. You know, I have my very selfish personal reasons for diving deep into sodium. I think that was probably one of the reasons we came up with this podcast because we both had some interesting experiences. And I can tell you, when I started nursing school over, I don't know, 35 years ago, I'm dating myself now, I was having an issue with passing out. Like I kept passing out and it was over the strangest things. Like I went into a nursing home to do a clinical rotation and there was a very strong whiff of something (laughs) that came through and I went boom down on the floor. I'm like, what is going on? And then I had an OR experience where they were doing a pretty aggressive amputation of a leg, which I know sounds awful. And I went from most people would say, well, gosh, those are reasonable explanations for passing out. But I wanted to be a nurse. And I kept thinking, how am I going to make it in this industry if I keep passing out? And I went to the doctor. I said, there's something wrong with me because I was carrying smelling salt in my pocket the whole time. And they took my blood pressure and they discovered that I had a condition called orthostatic hypotension which basically means that when I was laying down, my blood pressure was okay. But when I was standing up, it would drop really low to 70 over 60. I mean, it was really low. My baseline blood pressure is about 80 over 60 on, on a really good day. Like, so they said, I'm one of this po- one of the people in the population that probably needs a little bit more salt and excess hydration because that's going to keep my blood pressure higher. So that was my sort of sodium story, but I'm curious about yours. Well, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum there. I actually am supposed to limit all salt intake. And I started making kidney stones at nine, nine years old. And then they realized in my early twenties that I had osteoporosis and they realized that it was in reaction to salt. I was dumping calcium into my blood and that was facilitating this loss of bone mass. And so I was on and still I'm on a very restricted salt diet. And because I had no salt in the house ever, my daughter developed a condition because she was passing out because she didn't have any salt. And so she has to sprinkle salt on everything. And I bet it's because she has something similar to you. But the bottom line is we don't talk about sodium. We're so not educated and it's poured into everything we eat, Jackie. And I just feel like we have to have this conversation. I think it's so important. I think like anything and everything that we have spoken about on these podcasts, it's about finding balance and finding the best fit for your unique situation. Sodium is unlike other vitamins and minerals that are present in our food. It's found in abundance in all of our foods, in particular our our packaged and prepared foods. In fact, 
it's estimated that 70% of our sodium intake comes from eating the packaged and prepared foods. And it's not from the table salt that we're actually adding at the table. So I think that's a, a good key or clue for people to, to pay attention to, especially if that's where the majority of the salt's coming from. Here we go. Food detectives again. If you've listened to any of Jackie's episodes, and they're all brilliant, they're all amazing. I urge you to go into the Beating Cancer Daily podcast section and type in expert under Beating Cancer Daily, and they will flood. You will find so many interesting topics that Jackie has prepared. And this is just another one of those reasons that you tell us to be a food detective. We must read our labels. We must see what they're pouring into our boxes. I mean, the one on sugar was staggering how much sugar they pour into our prepared foods. But now we have to be sodium detectives. It's so true. I, the label detective role is something we should all be playing, but especially when it comes to sodium. And an example of that is the stories that you and I shared today. I think it would be helpful to to really talk about what sodium is and what it actually does in the body. And I think that will give people a better understanding of why it's important and why it's something that we need to maybe put a cap on if we're overdoing it. So it, sodium is a mineral. And it's important for your health overall. And, and your body actually tightly regulates the concentrations of sodium. Even little fluctuations can have a big impact. And some of you may be into exercise or other types of, of movement where you notice that if your sodium is low, you might have issues with muscle contractions. And that's something that athletes pay particular attention to. So so most notably, sodium is involved with the way our muscles function. And if we do lose sodium and other electrolytes like magnesium, which we've done a podcast on that too, <laughs> but if we lose other electrolytes in addition to sodium, this can cause us to have cramps. And that's why you see so many of those specialty drinks on the market, right? When people are exercising, they've got different types of drinks that you can do to replenish some of those minerals. But sodium is also involved in the way our blood volume is regulated. So it helps with our blood pressure and our nerve function. So here is your correlation between too much salt and high blood pressure or hypertension, as we call it. I just want to say one thing, because you did a really good deep dive in a prior episode about the sports drinks. And I just want to make sure if anyone is picking up a sports drink, really look at the sugar content, because I know you might be taking them for electrolytes, but Jackie taught us that a lot of those can just be pounded with sugar. And so you want to make sure that you're picking a drink that doesn't have all that added sugar. Absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's key, right? Because we want to put the highest quality ingredients in our body. So if you are supplementing with some form of an electrolyte drink, you want to make sure that it's got the best quality ingredients in it. Wait, I have a joke for you, Jackie. Wait, I told I told Jackie that I told our Comedy Cures writers room that we were doing a sodium salt episode. And so they sent me a bunch of jokes and I just have to read this one to you. <laughs> Every time you exercise, you sweat out salt. You need salt in your body to stay hydrated. So to stay hydrated, don't exercise. <laughs> <laughs> don't follow that advice. I'm not supporting that. <laughs> I didn't say it was. That would be true, unfortunately. It would be true. When we think about sodium and we think about what it is and what it does in our body, our kidneys really balance the amount of sodium that's in the body. When the sodium is low, the kidneys will hold on to it. When the sodium is high, the kidneys release it and in our urine. And I just think, again, your body is this miraculous machine. And wait, my body didn't get the memo, Jackie. <laughs> your body. I was just talking about your body, Sarah, and only yours. <laughs> Lauren's body is a miraculous machine. <laughs> Just make sure everybody knows that. Wait, uh, it beats stage four cancer, but it cannot figure out the whole sodium kidney bone. 
you're a good example of your kidneys can't remove enough sodium. It's going to build up in the blood and the sodium builds up in the blood. But as you were talking about earlier, can release calcium from the bones, which can lead to issues with kidney stones. But sodium also attracts water. So the blood volume rises. I used to say to people that when I work with people that are trying to manage their weight, we used to say a pound of pickle so if somebody eats, the, and I like pickles, but, but pickles have a lot of sodium in them. And we used to say, every time you eat a pickle, you gain a pound. So a pound of pickle. <laughs> I want to tell you a secret. I literally, when I travel, I have to bring one size bigger clothing because by the time I get off the plane, I'm one size bigger. I have retained so much water on the flight. Because the food is so salty. They give you salty everything. I just come out so puffy. I can't close my pants. So <laughs> It's funny because my husband, if he were here right now, he would be weighing in on this podcast and he'd say, well, you should do what my wife does. We go to the airport a half an hour early because I always get stopped going through security because I bring my all my own food. Like it's literally, and it, I laugh because the people that are opening up my little lunchbox, they're like moaning over the food that I bring in because I always have like a beautiful fruit cup. I bring lots of water rich foods so that I don't retain fluid on the plane, but that'll be another podcast, how to travel healthfully. Oh, wait, you guys, you know, my running gag with Jackie is that I always say something that stimulates her to think of something else that could become a new podcast. And now we know Jackie's coming back. We're going to be doing this for longer. We're going to be doing this for longer than a year. <laughs> so you just gave the story of like, you get off the plane and you're puffy and you can't close your pants. And truly, I wish I could be there to see it, but that's okay. <laughs> Girls chat. <laughs> But we just talked about sodium is going to hold on to water. Our blood volume rises. If our blood volume rises, we have more work that our heart needs to do. Our heart has to work harder and that increases the pressure in the arteries. And this is one of the reasons we see people with high blood pressure related to because you're making your heart work harder. And over time, right? So it doesn't happen the first time you have a high sodium meal. It happens if you're doing this over time where it increases your risk of not only heart disease, but stroke and kidney disease, which we were talking about. There are other populations of people that are more sensitive to the effects of sodium. And these are people that are overweight or obese and they may be more at risk for developing some of those cardiovascular conditions that we were just talking about. But there are people, I am very sensitive to salt. I don't need a lot of salt to, to regulate my body, but a totally salt-free diet is something that we don't necessarily want to have. But I will say in our society, it's like almost impossible to have a salt-free diet because it's just snuck into everywhere. They hate me in restaurants. I just want to let you know, there's like been a memo distributed around the world in restaurants. Oh no, she's going to come in and not only say no added salt, she wants it prepared without salt. And the better the restaurant, the more aggravated they get. Right. And I, I have to do it. I just have to do it. Yeah, it's really important to ask for for what you need. We're talking about the sodium that's in the processed foods, but sodium is also used to cure meats. It's used to boost flavor and even preserve certain foods. And so that's one of the reasons that sodium deficiency is so rare in our country and in our world, because we get way too much of it in our diets. And there are populations of people, and we touched on them just even in our introduction here, was just those populations of people that are super impacted by sodium. And those are people with congestive heart failure because they're on a, a fluid restriction, high blood pressure, that kidney disease, osteoporosis, and even those with certain types of cancer, like stomach cancer. Those are all really important to, to think about. The thing that's really interesting is the government regulation or regulators for certain foods. We have like lower limits and upper tol tolerated limits for different minerals and nutrients in our diet. And they don't set one for sodium. And the reason for that is they're just actually give people kind of a cap. It's estimated that for your body to function the way it's supposed to function, you need about 500 milligrams of sodium a day. 
But I need you, Saren, to guess how much the average person consumes uh, sodium each day. Just take a guess. It's got to be staggering because if you look on any packaged product, and I look on every packaged product for sodium, they just immediately, like a soup, a soup can have 620, just a soup or a thousand. Oh my gosh, this was, this is going to, I can't, I don't even think I can answer because I can't have sodium. So I'm starting to sweat here. Well, I think if we think about just for our body to function each day, about 500 milligrams is necessary. The average American is consuming 3,400 milligrams of sodium. And so that's a, that's a lot. That's a big, that's a big jump from the 500 just to, to manage our body function. So you can probably understand why there's an issue with some of these chronic conditions. Now, I will say that there, even though there's not set regulations for lower and upper limits for sodium, the recommendation is that Americans do not exceed, Americans or anybody, not just Americans, do not exceed 2,300 milligrams per day. And that's for healthy individuals. That's for me, for you, for right, that we don't exceed that. Well, you're actually even lower than that because of your salt sensitivity. But if somebody has a condition like congestive heart failure, kidney issues, they're recommending 1500 or less. And that really does require that the person become an expert at label reading because it's really important for us to understand where those foods are sneaking in. And I thought it would be fun to talk about what these labels mean. If I go into the store and I'm a nutrition professional and I get a little confused about some of the the claims that they put on the outside of the packaging, but there is some regulation to it for salt. And so like if somebody were to say, there's no added salt or unsalted. That's pretty easy to understand that there's no salt that's been added during the processing, but products are uh, most likely salt and sodium free unless they state it, right? And that's pretty clear. If you read say on a can of soup that it's light in sodium or lightly salted, that means that at least 50% of the sodium than the regular product. Right. So if you you know compare two cans of soup and one says it's light in sodium, it's probably half of what the regular one was, but if your regular one was like 800 milligrams of sodium and now you're only getting 400, that's still a lot. I'm shocked. I'm actually shocked when I read labels, how even with low sodium, and now you just solved it for me because I thought low sodium would mean like anywhere from 50 milligrams to like 250. And now you've just, Yeah, low sodium does mean 140 milligrams of sodium or less per serving. So it's all in the wording. So we were talking about light in sodium or lightly salted. So this is where you have to be an interpreter of the nutrition language, right? So light in sodium or lightly salted is 50% of the regular product. I mean, you need a degree in this stuff to interpret it when you go in the store. Low in sodium is actually just what you said, 140 milligrams of sodium or less per serving reduce sodium. What do you think that is? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. 500. So reduced sodium is at least 25% less sodium than the regular product. So again, you put on your you know, education hat or learning hat, right? Light and sodium is 50%. Reduced is 25%. But again, you're going to have to know what the sodium is in the other product in order to get a good read on it. I want to write this down and actually put it in my phone. So when I'm in the supermarket, I have your little sodium cheat sheet with me. Yeah, well, there's some really good resources. NIH has a good resource for this. And all you have to do is just type in what the nutrient claims on food and beverages mean for sodium. NIH has one. I think the FDA has one. Harvard has one. And they're all, they all say the same thing. These are really the regulations for it. And I think it's important for people to understand when you're grabbing something off the shelf, what exactly does that mean for your body? And I will give you a little workaround on this though. I have a joke for you. All right, do the joke and I'll tell you the workaround on this. Yes, because you know what this is called, what we're doing on the podcast right now? Brine storming. Oh, <laughs> do you like brine? 
<laughs> no, <laughs> but I, I have to tell you that came in from Jim Bob in our writer's oh, room. The first joke that I read came in from Dana. And I just want to thank them because literally they just wrote those really quickly for you. And I just thought that was really cute. I couldn't wait to tell you <laughs> that we were brainstorming. So those are so cute. I don't brine. If anybody doesn't know what brining is, it's really they soak the food in like a salt based before they cook it or prepare it in some ways. And I, it's too salty for me. It's just, I don't enjoy it. Well, that's a lot of kosher food because the idea is that they have to withdraw all the blood from the meat or the poultry. And so they brine everything in order to make sure that there isn't a drop of blood and so I, it's just way too salty for me. I, I actually can smell salt a mile away. And I, it's just a protective measure. I And if I put it in my mouth and it's been brined or somebody has just been too heavy on the salt at their house, I, I honestly can't eat it. My whole f- mouth puckers up and I just can't even swallow it. That's how protective I am. Now I want to see Saren in two situations. One, getting off the plane with her pants undone. (laughs) And then the second, I want to see you with that puckered face after eating something that's (laughs) (laughs) broken. I'm not fun to share French fries with. I'm just telling you because I can't get them with any salt. So I usually don't get them because nobody wants to share them with me and I don't want to have a whole plate of French fries in front of me. So I'm not a good French fry partner. Well, I don't eat a lot of French fries. I make my own. That's like, I love making my own. I roast them, sweet potatoes. Oh, they're so good. We'll we'll talk about that later, but let me tell you my, (laughs) let me tell you my workaround, right? Yeah. So my workaround is I just shared with you a bunch of information about what it's going to say in the label. Is it low sodium? Is it very low sodium? Because if you go low sodium, it's 140 milligrams of sodium per serving. If you go very low, it's 35 milligrams of sodium per serving. Here's the thing. If you buy food, that's not in a box, you don't need to worry about it as much. If you're in the fruit and vegetable section, you are getting fruits and vegetables that are in their natural state. They may have some natural levels of sodium, but nothing's been added to them. So I like eating food that hasn't been tinkered with by man. That's my approach. I like to eat food that hasn't been messed with too much. That's true. When I, Because I follow your nine to 13 servings a day eating the rainbow And I am in boxed food so much less, if not at all, in a day. And that is because of you. I just slowly started to substitute what was going into my body. I don't crave it. I don't even care about it. And that's really because of all those times you've told us on different episodes to eat nine to 13 servings of fresh fruits or vegetables and to also make sure that we're eating a rainbow. I think my body feels so nourished that it's not craving the stress foods of sugar and salt. It is, it is. And it's interesting because salt is such an important part of our evolution, the way we've come to be who we are. We actually have a special spot on our tongue for just salt taste for sensation. We have that sweet, the sour, the salty. And oftentimes when I'm working with clients, I'll say, are you a sweet person, a salty person? Like, what do you crave? Right? Because that actually tells me something. It tells me a little bit of a story because I believe that cravings are an indication of something else happening in the body. And it could be something with neurochemicals. It could be a blood sugar imbalance, lots of different things and lots of different reasons. How about stress? Because I find that when I'm not sleeping well and I'm under tremendous time pressure, I really do want to go for a chip. Of course, my chips have no salt or reduced salt or low salt. I get the safest ones baked, whatever. But I do want that combination of a salty sweet. Yeah, stress is so tough on the body. I think one of the reasons I set off on this journey as a nutritionist was because I wanted to understand how did someone like me get breast cancer 20 years ago? And 
while I don't have the exact answers, I do feel that the amount of stress that I was living within my life definitely contributed to the breakdown of my system and my immune suppression and left me vulnerable to getting breast cancer at the age of 37. So that's something that I pay a lot of attention to. But in answer to your question, stress is something that will cause us to crave sweet, salty, anything that's not nailed down in front of us. We might want it. We might want to eat it. I think it might be helpful for us to even, we, we just talked about label, label lingo, right? Like understand, say that, I couldn't even get that out. Label lingo. Come on, say it with me. Label, label lingo. <laughs> hard to say. So, so we talked about the label lingo about what we should be looking for, but I think it's helpful to understand what foods have the highest amount of salt in them. I think that's kind of, interesting. If you look at certain categories, things like breads and rolls, people don't realize bread has salt in them. Pizza, I think people probably figured that out. Many sandwiches, cold cuts and cured meats. These are things that people need to pay particular attention to with the nitrates that are in those as well, because of those have been connected to cardiovascular disease. The soups that you talked about, burritos and tacos, and then those savory snacks, not the chips that you eat, the chips that chips and popcorn and pretzels and things that other people eat. And even when you go out to eat, they the reason that these restaurants make things so tasty is that they are loading them with salt and other additives. I went and did a little research before this podcast just to give a few examples. And I'm not going to name the restaurants, but the, there's a few fast food restaurants. There was a whiskey glazed burger that was infused with Jack Daniels. <laughs> and I found that had over 3,500 milligrams of sodium just in one burger. That's insane. I, I've seen a few restaurants more on the healthy side that are listing the sodium and the different things on the menu so that you can make intelligent decisions. But, oh my gosh, 30, I, I would have no bones. I would just be powder. I would eat it. I'd have a big kidney stone <laughs> and then I would be powder. I, I, I was reading another fast food restaurant that had a chicken wrap that was 4,000 milligrams and then a burrito that had 4,250 milligrams. And then one of the fast food restaurants that many people frequent for breakfast, one of those bacon, egg, cheese biscuits had almost 1,400 milligrams in just a little biscuit alone. I mean, this is where it all adds up. And this is why people need to open their eyes and pay attention to where this salt and sodium is sneaking in. I'm curious, we've been talking about sodium and we've been talking about salt, but we haven't actually explained the difference between sodium and salt. I have no idea. We actually use sodium and salt interchangeably, but they're a little bit different. And so what is salt? Salt is the thing that we flavor our food with, as we know, but table salt is actually that you find, you go to a restaurant and you sprinkle a little salt in your food. Table salt actually is 60% chloride and 40% sodium. So it's not all sodium. It's 40% sodium. And there's many different varieties like you had talked about. You talked about kosher salt and then there's pink Himalayan salt. And one of the reasons that kosher salt is popular is because it's made from sodium chloride and they don't add in other additives and iodine. And that's the concern that I have with table salts. And I wanted to spend just a few seconds on that because when you go to a restaurant, depends on the restaurant, but if you're sprinkling salt on your food, Oftentimes that salt has chemicals in it. It's been bleached. Sometimes they add sugar to it. It's unbelievable, just to the salt. And you think it's just this pure thing of salt, but that's not necessarily true. So that's why it's important to know where you're getting your salt from, if you're using salt at all. What if you use a seaweed? Because I know a lot of people stopped using the salts and they'll use like different seaweed sprinkles. Is that better? It's still going to have sodium in it. And I don't know exactly the product that you mean, but all salt actually originate from the sea and it originates from some sort of a salty body of water, but not all salts that we're getting today are on the market from coming from oceans, right? Some are getting them from underground salt deposits that are left behind 
by seawater, right? And so there's different ways that we are getting salt to our tables, right? And so I think that's important for people to know is where do you want your salt to come from? The salt happens when there's an evaporation of seawater. That makes sense, right? You go in the ocean and you what's left that dries on your skin is that sea salt. Some of those pricier salts that you get like in the store happen because they do a slower sun fueled evaporation method for those salts. And the least amount your salt has been processed, the more health promoting trace minerals that you're going to get from it. So the story goes like this, right? <laughs> in all food, if the more processed it is, the, the less healthy it is for you. If you can get everything from your salt to your fruits and vegetables to any of those packaged products, if you can get them minimally processed or not processed at all, you're going to get more health promoting minerals. Um, the one thing that makes the salt unhealthier than other salts is that they refine it. And that refining process has the bleaching and all those other additives and things put in it, right? And so that's something that that I think we need to pay attention to if we're using salts. I've seen pink Himalayan salt and black Himalayan salt, I think. Does it matter what color it is? And is that salt better? Well, it, it does matter like where you're getting the salt from. I mean, there's Himalayan sea salt, there's Celtic sea salt, Italian sea salt, Hawaiian sea salt, flake sea salt. I mean, there's a lot of different types of sea salt. I can say that I like sea salt better than the sea salt that has been unrefined versus the refined version. I like it because it's got a richer kind of nutrient profile for us as the provider or as the consumer. But the main difference between the table salt and the sea salt is that the sea salt doesn't have those additives, but it's also devoid of some of the, the iodine. Right. So that's something to keep in mind as well if people are needing iodine in their diet. My dad was allergic to iodine. Right. So he probably had to be very careful with the types of salts that he would consume. The main difference between, and I'm not a, I'm not a salt expert, but from some of the research that I did on the types of salts that people eat, and I was glad to see that I was eating the kind that was the healthiest, <laughs> was the difference between Himalayan sea salt and sea salt is that the sea salt is considered sort of the purest form. And um, that pink Himalayan color is due to the presence of iron oxide. And it, it's got some really good, healthy components to it. And I, I think that if you're going to do some sort of a salt, uh, choosing one that is unrefined and in the sea salt family. And then I like the Himalayan, but there are the black salts, the other ones that you talked about, but that high quality pink Himalayan salt is a pure one. And that's what I typically get. And we also see salts, not only that we're talking so much about salts for what we're putting in our body, but so many people use salts for exfoliation for outside their body, right? And that's also another use. And I'm also very careful about the things that I put on my body, right? So thinking about, you see those sea salt scrubs. Have you ever used those, Saren? I have. And I wondered if that's not good for me because of my kidneys. And I was like, well, I'm probably absorbing it. Should I use a sugar scrub? Should I use a coffee scrub? But I think that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> it is. You're going to anything. Your skin is your first line of defense. And we've talked about that with our immune programs and things we've talked about with health builders. But your skin is an organ. And it's really important for us to be careful what we're actually putting on our skin. So just keeping in mind that even the salt that you scrub on your skin is going to be absorbed. And so I think that's a really important kind of thing to consider. But that's, I, I just like people to have an understanding of being an informed consumer doesn't mean just the other foods that we see in the grocery store. It also means our herbs and our spices. There are things that we can do to change the, the flavor of our food without sodium. And you can use different herbs to season foods. And this was something that I've worked hard to learn about because this, and actually this kind of ties into one of the recommendations I have for people that really want to be careful with their salt intake is start learning about herbs and spices because herbs and spices can really enhance the flavor 
bulk it up so that it feels very robust and delicious, but it doesn't have the sodium in it. And I think another podcast. (laughs) Yes, I have a whole list there and I can show you (laughs) everything from cinnamon to cilantro to saffron and rosemary. I mean, all of these different foods, like I do a really nice rub on a roasted organic chicken and I put it in the oven and it's just got all sorts of goodness on it. It is absolutely delicious. And it's a really nice way to reduce sodium, but it also gives it a fantastic flavor. If you've ever been in a kitchen with a Persian grandmother, the way they build the herb flavor, how they build and build, first of all, the kitchen smells unbelievable, Mm -hmm. but you watch them. It's like Edward Scissorhands, but with herbs. And then it's it's a science. It's incredible. it 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 is a science. It is a gift. It is healing. If you think about the world, we people have gone to war over spices. It's seriously, it is a really just an amazing thing for health and for satisfaction, taste. I mean, so many different things that we don't always think about. So I think if we want to cut back on salt, let's get into some of the, the recommendations. Like if we want to cut back on our salt use or even just balance our salt use, because I can I can guess that, that many of your listeners are people that maybe be a little heavy handed with the salt shaker, right? I know that I am sometimes my mom is as well. And hopefully my mom won't get mad at me for saying that on this podcast, but she's a little heavy handed and we're like, oh, there's a snowstorm at the other end of the table. <laughs> she's pouring the salt on, but we, we have many strategies. I just talked about the herbs and spices that you can do to reduce sodium intake. But the first is just eating those fresh foods, right? Those fresh fruits, the vegetables, the things that are out of the box, choosing fresh meat over like lunch meat. We, I think most people know that those processed meats, the bacon, the hot dogs, the sausage, the ham, those aren't necessarily good for you. And so that can be really important. Learning how to read those labels, understanding what low sodium means or reduced sodium or any of those, understand what those mean and then make the choice. I mean, when I make a, a chili at home or something, I do get the no added sodium uh, tomato uh, in a non-BPA lined can. <laughs> it's a mouthful, but I get those to to put into the chili. I put fresh tomatoes in too, but some of that just kind of boosts up the the flavor a little bit. But choosing those foods, and then I, I love eating out, but but it's really hard to control what they're putting in your food. I mean, you even said that some of these restaurants give you a little bit of a hard time because you're in there trying to make changes to it, but eating at home can really help solve that problem because you are actually controlling the menu. You're the person that's controlling what's actual actually going in there. And we learned from even those examples of fast food restaurants that even one entree, one food can exceed your sodium limit for the day. I'm thinking back to when I went through cancer treatment. And if this is your first episode, I'm a stage four cancer survivor with no visible disease, but I was not detected. My cancer was not detected for six years. And then I fought for two and a half. And then they told me to get my affairs in order. And then thank God I fought and I beat it. And I've had no visible disease for 21 years. But Jackie, not one person in that whole journey talked to me about how sodium would impact my cancer treatment or my chemo, my radiation. I don't know, does it, is there anything in particular that somebody on the cancer journey needs to be focused on with sodium besides just their general nutrition? Well, I think in term, you're, it sounds like you said a couple things in that. First is nobody was guiding you on this nutrition going through your cancer journey and I can, as a Western medicine healthcare provider myself, that's where I started as an open heart nurse. But I will say that one of the things is that they there's only so much time they have, and that, that might sound like a cop out, but it but it's actually true. The way insurance companies are dictated, the way that we give care today, it's really difficult to squeeze in everything that you need to do for the patients. But one of the reasons I have such a busy practice is that those practitioners that really 
want to address these things with their patients, they refer them out to people like me to give them the guidance as the support that they need. It's interesting because I was just interviewed by one of the universities that I got my master's in and they wanted to do a, a story on me. And they asked me, what do I have to say to the students that were coming out of the school? And I said that our in our world today, our patients are leaving the hospital sicker and they're returning quicker. And it's that revolving door that we're seeing. And part of the reason is these people aren't getting the support that they need at home. And that's not just with our cancer communities, it's with our heart patients, it's with our diabetic patients, it's with our autoimmune condition patients. They're scared, they're home alone, they don't have anybody to ask these questions to. And it's difficult to navigate a healthcare crisis or healthcare diagnosis by yourself, especially if you don't have a medical background. I mean, I feel so lucky because when I went through breast cancer 20 years ago, I am a nurse, my mom was a nurse, my grandmother was a nurse. It's the nurse curse in the family. <laughs> we were all nurses in different aspects of nurses. My grandfather was a surgeon. He had passed away by the time I was diagnosed. And But I did have a, such a good foundation. And I certainly knew how to advocate for myself when it came to medicine and healthcare. And every time I saw something that didn't look right, I knew other avenues to take. But most people don't know that. And so this is why your podcasts, Saren, are so important because it's a service for the community that, that you are serving. And it gives them the opportunity to learn bits and pieces of information that they can take back to their providers. I believe that healthcare providers really do care, but they get tired, they get burnt out, they don't have enough time with their patients. But if you come to them and you ask a question, then they're going to listen, hopefully, or they'll find you a resource that you need to address those concerns. So in answer to, <laughs> this is a really long answer to your comment, but it, it's more that I'm so passionate about what I do and also partnering with the healthcare teams, because I actually firmly believe that everybody wants what's best for you and for their patients but it's just not, it's not always easy. Everybody shows up at the appointment with their stuff. They all have, they have their own lives. They have things that are happening in their life and it, it makes it more difficult sometimes. I just want to thank you because first of all, you did our health coach study and you showed that the extra support given to stage four cancer patients can really change the quality of life for patients going through cancer treatment. And those findings are just really riveting. And that was your genius and your talents that helped do that with our Comedy Cures Foundation. So I just want to thank you for that. And then the generosity of spirit and knowledge and wisdom that you just offer, not only through Beating Cancer Daily, but if you don't know, Jackie does a monthly health builder program with Comedy Cures live every month where we go on to Zoom with you and she presents a topic and her visuals are mind boggling. Like everyone that comes to that series just can't, they, no one can believe the amount of time that you put into teaching us on so many ways, like visually with humor, also with your statistics, everything you do is science-based and it's just so comprehensive, yet it's only 40, 45 minutes. And then our listeners and our participants get to ask you their personal questions live on Zoom. So if you've never attended a health builder session, go to the Comedy Cures Foundation and scroll down just a little bit and you'll see a link to sign up and we notify you a week before, an hour before, a day before and an hour before Jackie's gonna go live with me. So you have the opportunity to pop on to those Monday health builders. And then, as I said, just go into this podcast and type expert. You will come out, it's like, it's almost like a nutrition uh, wellness degree that you're giving us, Jackie, by coming on so frequently and teaching us. And what I love is that you always stress everyone is individual and that you really have to take your own situation into your own hands and then present 
your questions to your medical team. This is a story starter. And then for those of you who don't know, Jackie does do private. She also has groups and she teaches in corporations and in hospitals. So we really just get this unbelievable gift on the podcast and every month through Health Builders. And so if you want to know more about Jackie Bryan, you can find her online. It's an unusual spelling, but she's all over the comedycures.org website. And if you just email us or record a message to me, we will send you her signature so you can have all the ways to get in touch with Jackie. Every time I learn so much and I know each listener does too. Thank you so much. Oh, you are so kind. Thank you. I It means the world. I have to say I'm honored to be a part of this with you because it feels like something I want to do, need to do feel compelled to do, to be part of it with you, especially having been in the shoes of a cancer patient like you, that it's just an honor to be able to give back to the community. Uh, So I I thank you and appreciate all those kind words. I wanted to add two other things to our recommendations, if that's okay. Just um, another, we talked about just eating at home, but then the other common sense thing is just removing salt from recipes whenever possible. So when you're making casseroles, the soup, the stew, any of those other things, just take out the salt. And then if people want to add their own salt in, they can. That just gives them a little bit more control. And we talked already about the fresh herbs, the spices. Some people like to grow those in their kitchen, having a little fresh cilantro or something right there to throw into the recipes. And then I think in addition to that label reading detective, be super careful of condiments. They are loaded with sodium. So things like soy sauce and salad dressings and other sauces and dips and ketchup and mustard. It is poured into everything like relish. They all contain sodium. So you need to read the labels and be an informed consumer. And it doesn't mean no salt. It just means pay attention to salt, be that informed consumer. So I I think, I hope those recommendations are enough. I think they're good. (laughs) One of my comedians, again, Jim Bob, sent in this joke for you. My personal recommended daily allowance of salt is two margaritas. Oh, (laughs) Oh, it's funny because you were to consume. I love that. Actually, that's really funny because not that I would have the two margaritas, but if you were to have your uh, 2,300 milligrams of sodium per day, that's what the daily value for sodium. Like when you look at the labels, it says that they really want you to have less than 230 milligrams. That's one teaspoon of, of uh, one teaspoon of salt added. That's not, if you think about how big a teaspoon is, it's the, it's the, your fingernail, the tip of your index finger. That's a half a rim of a margarita glass. It is. I know. He's, Jim Bob is consuming probably four teaspoons. Um, which <laughs> we'll put up. But, it, but if you think about it in terms of how small that is, and even the example of the snowstorm my mom was doing with her salt shaker at the end of the table, and she will say it's because she can't see that well. <laughs> All right. But it, <laughs> The older we get, like I can't see as well. I can't hear as well. And then now I'm snowstorming my food with the salt. But if you can keep it under a teaspoon a day and control it that way, that would be really beneficial. And if you do use salt, get some of the good stuff. Your body deserves it. You deserve that good stuff. Think your mom's going to give you time out after hearing this because you talk <laughs> too much done. about her. <laughs> it's so funny because when she does sprinkle it on her food, we all like dive at her, right? Like all the kids, all the, my husband, and she's just like, she's 82. She's the cutest thing on the planet. I love her dearly. I love you, mom. But she, <laughs> but she, but she, she literally jumps back. She's like, it's a, I'll scrape it off. Well, I hope that this just really resonates the way it did for me with you and that if you have any cool substitutes that you use or you want to share with us a great recipe that you've just changed the salt content in and it's fabulous because of your little secret ingredient 
We would love to know. Jackie and I love to hear from you. You can go to comedycures.org and hit the record button or go to the contact menu and just email us. It's just such a pleasure to have these conversations and then to hear how this is impacting your cancer journey, your survivorship, or you as a caregiver who might be preparing foods for someone you love that's going through cancer treatment. Jackie, I just have to tell you that we are in so many countries now. I mean, by the time this is posted, we're going to be in even more countries, but 42 countries, we have listeners in 42 countries and six continents who are listening to you share so much wisdom and so much wellness. So again, it's such an honor to do this with you and to know that people all over the world are just getting healthier and having an easier experience in their cancer journey because they're following so many of the conversations that we're having and then going back to their medical team and then influencing their medical team on how to really help other patients create a wellness scenario with their nutrition, with the way that they're taking care of their organs. And I really applaud you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. And it's just an honor to be here. Have a blessed day and I'll see you tomorrow. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then I'd love to ask for you to go to comedycures.org and check out our membership circle levels. You will find even more resources and more programming like our live virtual Q&A sessions with me, our live Comedy Cures events with our very talented comedians, live health builder workshops with Jackie Bryan hosted by me, a robust monthly newsletter, plus much more. It's really an exciting community. So please consider becoming a member giving it as a gift, telling your friends, telling your hospital support group all about this community. I can't think of a more empowering way to go through a cancer journey or your survivorship or your caregiving experience than with us at Beating Cancer Daily. It's truly an honor to serve you. Thanks so much. See you tomorrow. guess what time it is. It's time for me to read the disclaimer. Beating Cancer Daily and the Membership Circle are not in lieu of medical advice or treatment. They are for entertainment purposes only. Please consult your healthcare team to review your best strategy. Thanks for listening.